Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. Right. If you got a Bible, you can turn to Luke 19. I'm going to talk to you today from verses 11 to 27. So Luke 19. If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles in the back if you want one. You can grab one, or I'm sure all you got phones, so you can scroll. Um, so verse 11 says, Oh, I want to tell you a funny story. I just remembered this. Um, so I got home. Uh, and I said to Kim, like, hey, I was, I was holding Monica today. And she's like, Monica? I was like, yeah, like I was holding baby Monica. She's like, who's Monica? I'm like, Phil's baby. She's like, the baby's name's Naomi. I was like, okay. <laughs> so, now we have this tradition in Jamaica that whoever, you know, whatever name they call you when they first meet you, that's your name. So that's baby Monica over there. <laughs> And uh, thank God for her life. Yeah. So I just remember that. Anyway, verse 11. Says, As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for him, uh, himself a kingdom and then return. Calling 10 of his servants, he gave them 10 minas and said to them, engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him saying, Lord, your mina has made 10 minas more. And he said to him, well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in a very little, you shall be, have authority over 10 cities. And the second came saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, and you are to be over five cities. Then another came saying, Lord, here's your mina, which I kept laid in a handkerchief, for I was afraid of you, because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew I was a severe man taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put the money in the bank at my, and at my coming, I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to the one who has 10 minas. And they said to him, Lord, he has 10 minas. I tell you to everyone who has more, will be given, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. Father, we thank you for the word. We know and believe that every time we open it, that you have a word for us, that you want to say something to us for life here and now. And so I pray that you would help me to deliver your word right now to my brothers and sisters. Thank you for this privilege to serve them in this way. Help us all now to come under the word, to hear it, to listen to it, 
and to have a heart that wants to walk in it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Luke 19, Jesus is still on his journey to Jerusalem. We've been talking about that, and we know he's going there to give his life. And then he gets into another story, and and the verse tells us why. Verse 11 says, as he proceeded, he tells them the story because, because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. Jesus has been talking about the kingdom, and in one sense, the kingdom has come because lives are being changed, people are being sort of rescued from sin, healed, all those kind of things. And so they're like, is the kingdom coming immediately? And you got to understand, they ask this question because they're under pressure. And it's a question that's driven by urgency because these are people who are living under Roman oppression, the disciples. And so they're like, we want this thing to be over. And we know when the kingdom comes that it will be over. They have a good desire, but they have to wait. It's a good desire, but they have to wait. And here's why. Because there's still lives that are needed to be changed. God still has people that he wants to save and to rescue. And so Jesus is like, you have to wait. Sometimes in your life, you have to wait on a good desire. Do you know that? You have to wait on God to do that good thing that you want. And when you're in the middle of waiting, remember, God is doing something bigger than you, and he's doing something big for you. Did you not hear me? He's doing something bigger than you, and he's doing something big for you. Now, sometimes we tell stories because we just want, you know, to look good. And sometimes we tell stories because we're just hoping to get a laugh. Every time Jesus tells a story, it's because he means to help you, and he means to help us. He tells this story for two reasons. He, he wants the disciples to know he's going to go away for a while. You need, they need to know that. Their, their thinking is actually off. He's helping them here. He's like, I'm going to go away for a while. And then he also tells them this story because he wants them to practice really good habits while he's gone. It's true for you and me as well. And I want you to know the king is coming. If you agree, say amen. Amen. Look at verse 12. It's in the text, I promise. He said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. The king is coming with the full kingdom. One day you're going to see Jesus like a movie. He's going to come knocking like a neighbor. Do you understand that? The king is coming. In a world full of lies, one day we're going to be standing and giving praise to the truth. And so here's the word as you wait. Be a wise disciple. There's waiting. Be a wise disciple because we live and minister in a context that is hostile to the king. We live and minister in a context that's hostile to the king. Verse 13, calling 10 servants, he gave them 10 minas and said to them, engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. They're like, we we don't want him. We don't want him as king. But notice that he calls his servants together and then he says, engage in business until I come. There's some things to take from this from us. First is this, Jesus wants you to apply yourself in every area of your life. Engage in business until, maybe you're like, I'm not in business. I'm going to get to that. But you got some responsibility, right? Jesus wants us applying ourselves in every area of life. And here's the thing. The, the amount of effort that you put in is the amount that you can expect back out. And if you're being lazy, you're not listening. We have to apply ourselves in every area of life. Here's this next one. Jesus equips 
some disciples and sends them into the business world. See it in the text? Engage in business until I come. And so you're like, maybe you're, you're in it now, or maybe you're going to end up in the business world later. Here's the word. Stay honest. Stay honest. It's a, it's a tempting world. Money changing hands, things can get real ugly. Stay honest. If you're in it, avoid the shortcut that are going to be presented to you. This next one, work hard, right? Apply yourself. This is the way when you apply yourself, you're providing for yourself. Apply yourself in every way. And when you apply yourself, you're bringing value to society. When you apply yourself, you're actually creating competition and innovation, which is actually good for the world. We want that. Apply yourself. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Business is biblical. But in business, always be ethical. You follow? Biblical and be ethical. So the nobleman is giving out opportunities. But the citizens are showing resistance. They say, we don't want this man to reign over us. This is the voices that the servants have to serve amongst. And it's true for you too, isn't it? Don't you live in a world where we're like, the king is coming, and they're like, we don't want him to reign over us. That's the world you live in, in a hostile context. Dale Davis says, we, we, we serve between the smile of Jesus and the frown of the world. The smile of Jesus and the frown of the world. And that's why as you're out there applying yourself, as you're out there doing business, as you're out there living life, the Bible says you need to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Why? Because it's not all love out there. Because there's some people in your life, they're smiling while scheming. Why? Because they know where your loyalties lie. And so you need to be a person who's wise with your words, wise with your social moves, wise with your friendships, wise with the decisions that you make, because all it can take is just one misstep, and that person who you thought was for you is now against you. Why? Because you're out there. I'm a servant of the king. And so you need to be, and we need to be wise. It's a hostile context, and that context can mess with our thinking and our habits. Here's what it does to some people. For some people, living in a hostile context, what it does, it makes them hate the culture. Makes them hate the culture. For them, nothing's redeemable. Everything is trash. To this person, I would say, don't lose sight of the the fact that God has the power to change anything and anyone in the culture. Some people fear the culture. Oh, I'm just going to hide. Just going to sort of get in a bubble until Jesus comes back. I'm just going to withdraw from the culture. God gave a word to this person. Here it is. Get in your word. That's the way to keep your mind renewed. Build wise and good relationships. Pray for God's direction and protection and then engage in the world. Because the person who fears and withdraws, what they've lost sight of is they've lost sight of the possibility that God can make, use you to potentially influence someone in the culture. Sometimes we're so afraid of the culture influencing us, we have lost sight of that there's the spirit in us, empowering us, and, and that God can move in you and use you to change something that looks unchangeable. So don't withdraw, engage. Some people just blend into the culture. And when you look at their life, you're like, you don't look different than anybody else. And to this person, I would say, we are not to blend into culture. 
We are supposed to engage in it, be present, not withdraw, but we are to critique and challenge it. That is what it means to be salt and light, to be out there to say, there's a different way to live life here. Because again, the king is alive and the king is coming. Then there's some people who get worn down by the culture. Some people are worn down by the culture. They look and, they, and, and the doubt and the lies and all the different things that are put on Netflix or Prime or who, whatever thing you watch. And, all the, and you just kind of, you, you, don't you catch yourself sometimes wondering, is it all true? Well, I guess it's just me that ever asked those questions. Don't you ever catch yourself sometimes wondering, mm, I don't know. And my word to you is the scriptures are true. The word is true. God, we said, great is the, we just sung it, right? Great is your faithfulness to me. Everything that God promises, he will do. And so you hold on to the truth of the word. Remember that the scriptures are God-breathed, and God cannot lie. And if he gives a word, he's going to carry it out. And so what you do is you ask the spirit to give you strength and help to keep the faith in the hostile culture and context. The king is coming with the full kingdom. Here's this next one. Be, be a faithful disciple because responsibility, with responsibility comes accountability. Be a faithful disciple because with responsibility comes accountability. Verse 15, it says, it says when he returned, because the king is coming, right? When he returned, having received the kingdom, Jesus is going to get what is his. Having received the kingdom, I lost my spot, I'm going to find it. He ordered these servants to whom he had given money to be called to him that he might know what they had gained by doing business. He calls them together and he's like, it's time to settle up. I trusted you with something and it's time for us now to have a talk. And here's the thing, when, what you learn when we dig in. Good stewardship will be acknowledged and rewarded. Verse 17. Sorry, yeah, verse 17. It says, he said to them, no, sorry, go to 16. The first came before him saying, Lord, your mina has made 10 mina more. And he said to him, well done, good servant, because you have been faithful and very little, you shall have authority over 10 cities. And the second came saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, and you are to be over five, five cities. We don't, we're not told in the text how everybody did, but we know two guys had a real good day at the office. You made 10, here you go. You made five, here you go. They handled their business, and you, what happened? They got more responsibility and more opportunity. Just hold on to that. They did what they're supposed to do, and they got more opportunity and more responsibility. Here comes the word. Here comes the word for us. If I could flip my page, here comes the word. Here's the word. If you want to be trusted with more, Take good care of the little that God gives you. Take good care of the little that somebody trusts you with. So many people, they're like, I want more. I want more responsibility. And when you look at it, you're like, you haven't proven yourself. You're walking around in your job, upset with your boss. You're walking around in your social context, upset with people saying, why am I not getting more opportunity? And they're looking at you and saying, you haven't showed anything yet. The NBA player Jason Williams says, expectation without effort is called entitlement. Okay. 
expectation. I was watching, what was it? One of them shows called Get Up, and he said it. I was like, I got to write that down. It says, expectations without effort is called entitlement. And there's a lot of people walking around with a ton of entitlement. If you want to be trusted with more, be responsible with the little that you have. The master comes back and he says, well done, good servant. Isn't that what you want to hear at the end of your life? Well done, good servant. And here's the thing. In the, in the context, because it's always good to interpret the scripture in context, the primary thing that you are to steward and handle well in context is money. Is money. And I want to give you a few ways to steward money well. We steward money well by making it ethically and growing it wisely. You can't steward something if you don't got it. You steward it well by making it. Get out and get, remember I told you, apply yourself. We steward it well by using it to take care of our needs and responsibilities. And I gave you some verses. You could, when you get home after your lunch and nap, you can look it up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I took a nap. We steward it well by giving, uh, giving some to people who have significant needs. We steward it well by contributing to the advance of God's mission near and far. We steward it by avoiding being in major debt. Now, some debt is okay, as long as it's wise, but some's not okay. And if you're like, which one's okay, which one's not, we could talk after. But we steward it well by, not, by avoiding major debt. The Bible says the borrower is a slave to the lender. We steward it well by setting some aside for family and unexpected emergencies. Shayon gave me this one. We steward it well by enjoying it as a good gift from God. Right? Sometimes we can make it like, oh, you're only doing a good job if you're like giving it all to the church. Some of it is a blessing for you to go somewhere. Right? Because God's like, I want you to enjoy some, the sun shines here now, right? But in wintertime, you get on a plane and get going. But that's a way to steward it well. Now, you don't blow it on the trip, but it's okay to use it to enjoy the other blessings that God has provided in the world. And then this last one, we steward it well by remembering that our money actually belongs to the Lord, that it's his. So money is the primary thing in the, in the text to steward, but it's not the only thing. We need to be people who steward our bodies well. We need to be people who steward our jobs well, our time well. Think about your body. Are you sleeping properly? Are you eating right? Are you getting any exercise? Who steward our relationships well, our possessions, our gifts, and our talent? It doesn't belong to you. And the word is handle the things that God has entrusted to you with care. Here's this this next one. When he calls them together, you realize there are true servants and there are false servants. Verse 20, it says, then another came saying, Lord, here's your mina, which I kept laid in a handkerchief. Here's the thing. When you look at this story in Matthew's gospel, the other guy dug it, dug it and buried it. This guy has it in a handkerchief. At least the other guy, you're like, if for somebody to find this, you got to work really hard. What's a handkerchief? You just turn it over. There it is. So he doesn't even do a good job of protecting it irresponsible. 
for I was afraid of you because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. He said to him, well, I condemn you with your own words. This is important, you wicked servant. For you knew I was a severe man taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put the money in the bank and at my coming, I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, take the miner from him and give it to the one who has 10 minus. And they said to the Lord, he, uh, he has 10 minus. And he says, I tell you, to everyone who has more, uh, has, more will be given. But to one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. He says he knows the nobleman. You notice? He's like, I, I know you. You're severe. You're unjust. That's what he says to him. But he actually doesn't know the, know the man at all. Because if, if this nobleman was, was the way he said, he wouldn't have treated the other servants the way he did. The other servants did their job and the nobleman did right by them. And so this guy declares that he knows the guy's character, but he does not. What, what you need to understand is, notice that in the text he's called, in verse 22, a wicked servant. And to understand that word, you just need to understand your Bible as a whole particularly in the book of Proverbs. In Proverbs, the person who's called wicked is a person who actually opposes the rule of God. It's a person who is against God. And so what you're being told in the text is, this guy actually isn't any different than the people in verse 14. He is the same. He does not want this man, this king, to rule over him. And all you know is he, he disobeys at direct command. Do you remember what the command was? Engage in business until I come. He was given a direct instruction and he's like, nah, I'm going to put that thing in a handkerchief. Like it just, it lacks so much wisdom. Lacks wisdom completely. I'm going to put it in the handkerchief. He does nothing and he loses everything. Did you notice it in the text? Verse 24. And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to the one who has 10 minas. And this verse, here's what it did for me this week. Maybe it's what it's doing for you. It made me ask this question. What opportunities am I wasting in my life right now? What opportunities have I been given by God? And when I look truthfully, I've got that opportunity in a handkerchief. And it's doing, I'm doing nothing with it. Here's the next question. What am I doing right now in my life that in a week is going to cost me? What am I doing right now that's going to cost me a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, two years from now? You got, it's, it makes you examine your life and ask yourself hard questions. And the next one is, what gift and abilities has God given me, but I'm doing nothing with it? What has God entrusted me with to serve society, to serve his, his church community, whatever it is, wherever God places you. But when I look at my life, honestly, I am sitting and doing nothing. Because that's what this guy did. He did nothing and he lost everything. One more thing that we need to catch on this. We can disobey God by doing what God says not to do, but we can also disobey God by ignoring what God says to do. Because so it's, it's both ways. And so here's what you got to ask. 
What things am I doing right now? What thing is God saying to me? You need to do this. You need to extend forgiveness. You need to slow down. You need to be wiser with that move. What thing is God saying to me, telling me directly, but I know I am not doing it out of fear because I don't trust that if God, if I follow what God says, that it's going to go right. Because usually when we're sitting and we're immovable, it's a lack of faith. It's driven by fear. And fear and faith don't go together. And if God says to you, this thing needs to happen, it's because God knows what is coming up around the bend. He loves you. He's committed to your best. And so you walk by faith, trusting that he is the king over my life, that he rules all things, and that when I obey, blessing is coming. But when I disobey, I'm going to lose everything. Disobedience has a cost. And so if God is saying something to you, and trust me, in this room, I know some of you, I've talked to some of you, I know God is saying certain things to you, and today is the day to start listening to God and stop trusting yourself because he knows better and he wants your best. And here's the thing. Sometimes you're like, how do I know if God's saying something to me? Because like the clouds are like talking but sometimes the people of God are. If, if, more, if multiple people in your life are saying the same thing and those people in your life have the spirit in them and they love God and you know that they love you and they're saying it over and over everywhere you go and sometimes we don't speak up and tell anybody anything because we know what people are going to say. But if multiple people in your life are saying the same thing to you, that's usually a sign that God is speaking and saying, trust and go this way. Now you're sitting there and you're like, all right, Marv, you got the people who are, might not be moving. You got the people who might, not, might be disobeying. But I'm obeying. Right? Sometimes preachers get up here and they make it seem like everybody's failing, right? Not the case. Some people are doing real well. Every sermon can't be like. (laughs) Some people are doing well, and you're sitting there like, I am obeying. I am trusting God. I am walking in obedience. Marv, I hear you, but it's hard. But it's hard. I get it. I understand. Trust me. You don't think sometimes it's hard for me to walk up here? I'm nervous sometimes, really. I know it's hard. But by the Spirit, keep walking. Because you know why? You're on the bumpy road to better. And so you keep going. You're on the bumpy road that's going to lead to blessing when you trust what God has said over your life and in your life. Now, you're probably a good Bible reader, and you're, you're sitting there, and you're saying, if he's just like the citizens, why is he called a servant? If this guy is no different than everybody in verse 14, why is he called a servant? Because Jesus is teaching you something and teaching me something very important about church life. And it's this. Sometimes the subjects look like the servants. Sometimes the people opposing Jesus are mingling with the people serving Jesus. Sometimes you look and you're like, what's going on in church life? You see certain things and you're like, huh? 
And it's, it's because of this reality. There's false servants among the people of God. But here's what you've got to understand, though. This will not go on forever. The people who, are, who look the part but are only playing the part, a day is coming. And here's the thing, too. We might have to live with people like that all the way till the end. You might, so you, might get, you might get to that final day and you're like, what? You know, don't you think some of the brothers were like, Judas, for real? I mean, I had that guy at the crib the other day. What? It's tough. <laughs> but it won't go on forever. Look at verse 27. But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. This is a symbol of the final judgment. And then they, they end up in this spot. Here's what you got to understand. They end up in this spot because of pride. The person who's rejecting the rule of God over their life, it's an issue of pride. They're saying, I know how to do better than God. I know how to do better than my creator. I don't need anybody to tell me what to do. They want to sing at the end of their life, I did it my way. It's pride. That's why scripture says pride goes before a fall. And I'm not going to lie to you. When I was, when I was getting ready to, to, to preach this passage, when I read this verse, it surprised me. I was talking to Vivian on Friday. We were having a phone call on something. And I just said to her, I'm like, can you pray for me? Because here's, you know, I try to be very plain to our church family. There's certain things that are very hard for me to talk about. I grew up in a church where all that was ever talked about was like, judgment's coming, judgment's coming. And I was terrified most times. It's not an easy thing for, for me to talk about, but it's something I have to talk about. Because it's in the scriptures. And Dale Davis said this, he says, it's impossible to describe final judgment pleasantly and attractively. It is intended to surprise you and to get your attention. And I won't lie to you, it got mine. And when it got mine, it convicted me. It convicted me of the fact that sometimes I'm very tempted to downplay the seriousness of judgment. To withhold the serious reality that, that, that rejecting God, and this is, the, this is the word to you, be an honest disciple because rejecting God is dangerous. And, and in our movement and in all the places that we flow in and out of, sometimes we're like, oh, I'm just going to sort of hold off on that one. And I, I'm tempted to do it. Maybe I'm just talking to myself, but I'm tempted to do it because I just don't want to offend anyone. And here's the other thing. I'm like, I don't want to make God look bad. But God's like, I, got, I can take care of my own reputation. He put it right in the scriptures. And so there's this temptation to hold this back. But here's the thing. When I'm holding it back, when I'm afear, afraid of offending, do you know who I'm thinking about the most? Myself. Rather than the person who's in front of me. Who truthfully, when I look at them, I'm like, I don't want this to be a reality for anyone. I don't want anybody outside of the kingdom of God. I don't want anyone who have to, to have to experience this level of judgment for their rejection. And so we need to speak honestly. We need to look at the person and say, I want you in the kingdom with me. I want you on that day 
experiencing joy and praise and blessing and the and the and the and the the, 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 the joy of seeing God smile over you. And the way into that kingdom is to embrace Jesus Christ who took the judgment of God for you. We need to be honest people. And so we, we aren't to talk about judgment from this place of like, ha, ah, your time's coming. It should be from a heart of concern and compassion and love and gentleness, but also a heart that is truthful to say rejecting the reign of God is dangerous. But here's the thing, the judgment of God has not come yet. And so today, God is showing you kindness. God is being good to you because today is the day to turn. Today is the day to embrace Jesus Christ who took the judgment for us, to follow the king who is a good king who is a kind king. And how do you know? He rewards obedience and he rewards faithfulness. Don't withhold. Be truthful. We need to be people who who give the full picture of God. And so we speak up because the king is coming with the kingdom. And it's going to be a day of joy and praise. And on that day, we are going to see that God is worthy of all of our praise all of our love and our affection because of what he has done for us and what he will give to us on that day. I don't know what your reward's gonna be. I don't know how it's gonna look, but you are going to get one if you are faithful, if you persevere to the end. Let's stand and pray. God, we give you praise for the word. I pray, Lord God, that as we wait upon you, as we wait on the shortcoming of your kingdom, I pray that you would strengthen us to endure. Strengthen us, Lord God, to be wise as we live. Strengthen us, Lord God, to be faithful. Strengthen us, Lord God, to be honest, to be people who are full of compassion, concern, and care for those around us. Like we sung in the song, Give us your heart, Lord God, and lead us in your love to those around us. Fill us with your spirit, Lord God, to help us be people who apply ourselves in every era of life, to not walk around entitled, expecting things to be handed to us, but to be people who work hard, to be people who engage and participate in a beautiful and God-glorifying way in, in our culture, and to be people, Lord, who give you praise that you deserve. We get the chance to do that and start right now to do what we are going to do for eternity to say you are worthy of it all. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.